Julio is dead. You can't hide forever. I like you. Mistakes. I never knew my dad. Octavia Soler Santana. So here we are on Moving Radio again, and it's me, Lindsay Campbell, with my co-host. Mark Davies. <laughs> Here we are. And today we're having another Thanks Telefilm segment. And today we're talking about Sukian Lee's film from 2018, Octavio is Dead. Do you think this is about our 10th telefilm or sorry, 10th Thanks Telefilm edition? Or where do you think we're, we are right now? Uh, I feel like we're more at like a seven or eight. You're I'm probably not, right. I'm not sure. I should count. <laughs> So I, you know, I always like to start each episode when, when we do Thanks Telefilm is, you know, if I'm a young filmmaker and I'm able to get into the elevator with uh, the executive and I have basically one tagline to sell them on the premise of my movie. And I don't think Sukin Lee had to probably go through this process, but when <laughs> I watched the film, which uh, as well, if you want to see Octavio's Dead, I went through CBC Gem. Uh, I think you can also rent it through Apple, and it came out in 2018. I had for the tagline, I had horror movie tropes meets identity crisis meets the minimalism of a prairie landscape painting. How did I do there, Lindsay? <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's so quite good. I don't even know how to explain simply <laughs> what this film is. But uh, it stars Sarah Gadden, who I quite enjoy. She's she's very good. Um, but she she stars in this very strange film about uh, finding out that her estranged father has died and left her everything. And she doesn't know anything really about her father other than a few twi- not truths that her mother has given her over the years. And so she goes to his apartment and sort of I mean, like, is it his ghost? <laughs> What's going right. on? Well, what is going on here? I think it's important to preface the fact that to our millions of listeners, when Lindsay, you know, she has an idea for a film and she introduces me to it, I often have like these, you know, revelations or these projections that it's going to be like a David Cronenberg film or something from like a classic Canadian film director, but you know, this movie uh, is certainly different. And I, I think, as you said, what's what's going on here in the, in the film is a good way to put it. I think a couple of things, you know, I want to look at kind of like the micro perspective of it all. Like when you say what's going on here, I, I, I'm looking at Sarah Gooden's, am I pronouncing her name correctly? Gadden? I think, think Gadden, I think. Yeah. You know, I've written down here, you know, she's a bit of a dead ringer, I think, for like Kristen Stewart, you know, of Twilight fame. Yeah, Some yeah. of her mannerisms and her appearance certainly kind of are aligned with her. 
And, you know, when I'm watching the performance, um, I often am thinking to myself, was Sukin Lee, was she giving her a lot of direction or is, you know, Sarah, you know, kind of have her own idea for the character Tyler? Because at times, you know, I didn't know what to expect from this character and I didn't really get a, a strong feeling of who this character was. Now, granted, the film does deal with identity issues, but, you know, I, I think it's a really, like I said, minimalistic performance and at times it's perplexing. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it's enjoyable to watch, but certainly perplexing throughout a lot of the film. I do feel like she's a competent performer, but I feel like she's kind of wandering around this very strange um, film. But she goes to her father's apartment and he kind of appears to her at times. Um, She sort of starts to get to know that her father was um, gay and that he had possibly a young lover and this is all fine discovering who your estranged father is and coming to terms with like not having a father-daughter relationship and all about identity and gender and sexuality that's great all on paper this is great (laughs) in practice this film is really messy and confusing and not and but messy like you said in a very simplistic way like it's not a big giant mess where it's too convoluted it just doesn't quite work and it just keeps getting stranger absolutely and you know i think you know i think sukin lee i think she probably had a definitive point of view in her in her mind well you know, through the creative process of this film. And sometimes there's films that, you know, are meant to be ambiguous. And that's kind of the statement within itself. But, you know, this film certainly didn't feel like it had ambiguity in it. It felt more like Sukhini wanted to say something. But at the same time, it kind of came out incoherent. Uh, and and I think, like you said, I, I think there's some really uh, unique issues that she, she wants to address, you know, from kind of the gender politics to the patriarchal issues of abandonment or sexual relations, but uh, you know, it's like, it's incoherence, but also at times um, I would also say not diminutive of the subject matter, but just probably what word am I looking for here? Probably kind of an uncanny sense, you know, if, if that makes sense, kind of an uncanny point of view uh, when you put it all together and try to have this, this point of view from the film. I, I kind of wonder if, if there's a well, there's several problems i wonder if casting is one of the problems and it's not that sarah gadden isn't good but when it gets to the portion of the film where she decides to cut her hair and put her father's suit on i i wonder if sukin lee assumed that that would work better in terms of her passing as male because it doesn't work at all in the film i don't think even remotely and i'm not and i feel like the film thinks it does work but I'm not sure. It's kind of confusing, and I don't. And I don't mean to say that non-binary, queer, and trans people owe, owe passing to the world. But I just I feel like the film thinks she passes as a man, and she just does not. Even on a literal sense, too. With as you talked about, kind of one of the more poignant moments of the film is with the kind of cutting of the hair. And as I kind of said, you know, a lot of the tropes in this film, we've probably seen from a cliched point of view, you know, kind of the rebirth of, of the cutting of the hair, or if you even want to take it to to something like, you know, the horror elements of it, because there is, 
you know, we haven't talked much about it. There is a bit of, or maybe not horror, but suspense, you know, in, in the film. And once again, some of the tropes are are the faucet, you know, when it's turning. And this obviously is all correlated with, with her dead father coming back to uh, talk to her. But certainly, I think, like I said, she had a definitive point of view and, and she knew what she wanted to do. But uh, it just kind of fell flat. The one thing I wanted to say to you, though, was you're talking about performances. I have to say Rosanna Arquette, and yes, Rosanna Arquette from Pulp Fiction fame. She's yep. coming in. She's she's coming in this film, you know, throwing 100 miles per hour. Like, I, I actually had to pinch myself and while I was watching her, and I was like, is this Rosanna Arquette, you know, that I've seen over the last 30 years of, of films? And she's really going for it here. And I'd actually probably say it's one of the brighter spots of the film, you know, yeah. even though... It, Maybe it might not make context with the story, but she's really something to watch on the screen, actually. She's always been my favorite Arquette. I just, I love her and I wish she was in more stuff. So she she kind of is a saving grace. And again, Sarah Gadden is not bad in this film. I just don't no. think, yeah, I just don't think it works. Especially there's a moment where she's in bed with this young guy who used to be mentored by her father. And he thinks that she is a man, like he's, a hundred percent convinced convinced like he's all in and she, i think she says to him i'm not i'm not a boy and he says no i know you're a man <laughs> and i just <laughs> and i just thought this like 95 pound five foot one tiny little like she's like a little pixie sprite <laughs> totally and you know actually when i went to the university of internet and and i want i always try to read as many reviews on the film that i can but I think, you know, there was a sentiment, I can't remember which, I think it was Orca Sound, but very similar to what you're saying, Lindsay. It's it's a bit of a stretch, you know, to think that, you know, this young other man, and I can't remember his name, but uh, yeah, the believability of him having to believe that Tyler is a man is is tough for us to believe as the viewer, if that all makes sense. It, It just doesn't work whatsoever. And I want to also, I don't know if you caught this, but my favorite moment of the film is when Rosanna Arquette has come to to the apartment house. It's like a house. It's not really an apartment. It's like a house. She goes there and then suddenly there's like a real estate agent and she's like, well, we could sell it today, but... (laughs) Like, and Rosanna Arquette says, we can have it emptied out by the end of the day. (laughs) So the idea that you can find a moving company and have your house emptied out by the end of the day is quite ridiculous in and of itself. But I don't know if you caught that the movers were these big burly men who did not have boxes for anything. So they were carrying stacks of books in their bare hands. I didn't notice that. No, (laughs) I. You really should rewind and go go back. You know, and Lindsay, I think great minds think alike because I also wrote down too, and probably you know it's funny. Like now that we're talking about kind of more of the micro issues of the film, but there is certainly a creative design element at the four thirty eight mark of the film where I I think it's a kitchen shot, and you see some really ripe rotten bananas. And I was thinking (laughs) to myself while I was watching this film. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to get too silly here, but it is, I was honestly thinking to myself, like, I wonder what Sukin Lee, you know, if she talked to the prop master or 
whoever kind of did the elements of, of that staging was like, I need some really old, rotten, ripe bananas in, in this scene. So I, I know what you mean. There's certainly like little intricacies that you really kind of notice in the film. And it's kind of like your eyes is gazing away from, you know, the, the foreground and going definitely to the background of the film. <laughs> Yeah, I think those bananas were supposed to be symbolic of, you know, Octavio dying or something along those lines. Or maybe they just weren't paying attention. Absolutely. We should say, you know, the film, it had uh, four, four Canadian Screen Award nominations and one of them was for cinematography. And, you know, I did really enjoy there was kind of that one shot. And um, for everybody, please do check it out. Like I said, Octavio's Dead from 2018 on CBC Gem where uh, Sarah, she's having a bit of a shower. She doesn't have any clothes on and she's kind of in a crouched kind of fetal position and she's just taking the water hose to wash herself down. And it's kind of like a white illuminated background. And I, and I have to say that was one of the times during the film I was like, you know, you could see this as a painting, you know, if you were walking through like kind of a contemporary art gallery it was it was kind of one of my more favorite moments of the film. Yeah, I think I remember that shot actually. There was some really nice there was some nice photography going on. That that wasn't that wasn't one of the issues. So was there anything else you want to add? Because I want to end with a little story about a relationship I have with Sukin Lee, actually. Oh please, go ahead. You know, if if for everybody, I am now 42 years old and so I grew up, there was a thing called, and I don't even know if the channel exists anymore, it's called Much Music. But uh, Sikian Lee, before she was a director, she was actually uh, a video much music DJ. And for everybody who doesn't know that, these are people that would often curate music videos on air. And I'm talking about it in a very kind of literal sense, because uh, I think today with social media, with TikTok and Instagram, we're all just kind of curating our own stuff. So she, she was on much music. Uh, I always enjoyed seeing her. She certainly, once again, kind of presented more of a minimalist persona on air. And... On a Sunday morning, I did call into Much Music and I re requested a music video, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Ring My Bell. And it was sickeningly was the one who took uh, my call on air. So when you presented this film to me, Lindsay, and I researched that it was sickeningly was the director, you know, I kind of felt the kinship with her, you know, 32 years ago when I was probably a 10 year old watching Much Music. So thank you. Thank you for the choice. Uh, certainly having me revisit my relationship with her. And that that's so funny. Um, I'm glad that happened to you. I, I saw DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince at the U of A Butter Dome when I was in the sixth grade. And my my dad took my sister and myself and we were the only like non-university students in the entire Butter Dome. That's awesome. The Butter Dome is a good place like, to, to watch concerts. So. I think it was maybe like a quarter full. Right. A quarter full. So I think you know, Lindsay, as we end every episode, you need to accentuate the perfect tone or how you would like to say thanks telefilm for Octavio is dead. You know, as always, uh, please check it out. Uh, certainly it will give you conversation with your friends, but how would you like to say it today, Lindsay? Oh, <laughs> I'm going to have to go with a thanks telefilm, I think. I don't know.